Welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and DigiKey newsletters. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 344, and that's the first topic we're going to jump right into. This made my morning because how just... I don't I don't know how to describe it. So here's the situation. I wake up in the morning, check my email inbox, and I I had an email at 8.25 a.m. from DigiKey, and they said they had check out DigiKey stock of, this is the title of the email, by the way, check out DigiKey stock of Toshiba's power management and circuit protection products. And it says like in stock. I think so. Let me make sure it says in stock. Before I just completely put DigiKey on DigiKey's marketing on blast. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the note written here says check out DigiKey's stock. Yeah, of- it is check out the stock. All right. Okay. So I'm going off that. So check out the stock. So I go in and there's a MOSFET in there. And I'm like, oh, first of all, it's a Toshiba MOSFET. I didn't know Toshiba made MOSFET. So I just went and clicked on it. And this is 9.14 is when I clicked on this link. The stock was zero. <laughs> <laughs> so so 45 minutes later. Yeah, already, if it had stock, which I'm assuming it did, because this email went out saying, check out our stock. And it was already gone. Well, hey, maybe their stock was zero, and they just wanted you to check it out. Check it out, it could be. <laughs> Yeah, I just thought that was, that's great. I was just like, well, like, I was like, well, that's the state of the market we're in right now. And not only, okay, that is the state, but that has been the state. Been the state, yes. But like, I thought maybe something had changed somehow and like DigiKey had like magically a lot of these MOSFETs and like, I'm not looking for MOSFETs, but I'm just like, I, I was actually curious. One, I never heard Toshiba making MOSFETs. I knew they made motor drivers. I guess motor drivers have MOSFETs in them, so makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, you're saying standalone stuff. Yes, yeah. And um, I'm like, oh, I wonder how many they actually have. And they clicked on it and said zero. (laughs) I've been doing a lot of repairs at work recently and uh, working with some other people doing them. And it's funny because we'll, we'll, we'll just be chatting, you know, fixing the thing and, and say like, oh, okay, you know, I, I, I got this product that, we found a bad chip on something. It's like, okay, can we find the chip? No. All right, put it on the list. And we've just got this list that's growing. It's like, eventually we'll be able to buy these that these things that we can, you know, fix our bone pile oh, yeah. someday. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, I take this back. It wasn't an email from DigiKey, even though it looks just like one. It was from my, it's from Fierce Electronics newsletter I'm on. But it honestly, I'll have a screenshot. It does look like a DigiKey newsletter. Like, is it like red and black everywhere? Oh yeah, it looks just like a normal DigiKey. Like, has the banner, everything like that. And mm. all the difference is at the very top in small font it says, "This week's Fierce Electronics is brought to you by DigiKey Electronics." So like this, oh, okay. this newsletter is, yeah. So I'm wondering what happened here was it was in stock whenever they wrote this newsletter out like a couple uh, of days ago and who, who, yeah that could have taken some time to get approved and everything yeah. so 
wonder if these other parts are in stock that are in this this newsletter That'd <laughs> be funny. The newsletter, all the parts are out of stock. Okay, so some of the e, the Toshiba e fuses, they have some of those in stock. Actually, they have quite a bit. Like, um, I mean, one is zero, but the other ones have like over ten thousand plus in stock. So, okay, they got those. But yeah, yeah the I don't want to speak. I, I I don't want to speak too soon, but I've been having some luck recently on on parts. I it it feels like things are coming back into stock. Yeah. Okay. I just okay. Looking at the rest of the stuff in this newsletter, I just happened to click on the only thing that's out of stock. <laughs> <laughs> and and you never know. Maybe there was that one company that their entire product basis is that, that part, and they they've just been hawking it. Yeah, you know? it could be. <clears throat> that's great. I just happened to click on the on the one that's zero. <laughs> I guess it's the one that's more that piqued my interest though in the list. What was your? Uh, were you thinking about using it or something? No, no. I just never saw Toshiba making discrete MOSFETs before, and ah. and it said something about like it has 150 volts, um, you know, rating on the uh, uh, drain to source. And I'm like, okay, that's actually a pretty beefy, you know, MOSFET in there. So I was like, oh, I wonder what those stats are like. And I opened up and said zero. I'm like, well, now I don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th this is one of those uh, very unique MOSFETs that has its own package, you know, where half of the pins on one side or one whole side of the chip is the is the drain. And then yeah. most of the other side is the source. Oh, but it's and uh, I, I like the, the package on it. It's called the SOP Advance 8. Yeah, but like it's that. a it's in that power DFN thing. So most of those typically actually work on the same footprint. For the most part, I've seen okay, a, a lot of times they have like uh, exposed pads underneath so you can mm -hmm. um, uh, heat sink them. Uh, and and they, they I've seen a lot of different varieties of shapes underneath uh, these kinds of yeah. Chips. I just. On Pinotar, this this actually this part would work on Pinotar, funny enough. Well, what's the VGS? Let's look. Do, 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 do. Where's the VGS charge? Uh, threshold four four point three volts is what the what the overview is saying. Yeah, it's too high. This yeah, this is a standard high, right? type MOSFET. So that just won't work. Yeah, because you're going to want to put at least a 10 volt drive on that gate to make it make it chooch enough. <laughs> I love I love these these overview numbers. You know, the the you, you mentioned earlier the VDS is 150 volts. All right, cool. That's a the lot. Continuous drain current 64 amps, and the power dissipation 210 watts in a little SOIC8 package. Like the descriptions are always a little bit goofy. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason why you can get that high now is, you know, your your resistance on is so low. So as long as you can drive that gate hard enough to make it not in saturation mode, so you and not no, you make it go into saturation mode faster, you're fine. 
<laughs> yeah, but what I, what I'm saying is you're not you're not going to uh, put 210 watts on this little package. You're going to burn a little crater in your board oh, if you put all yeah, 200, yeah, yeah, yeah. 210 watts in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. What I'm saying is like what is it? That's 0.71 Celsius per watt. That's not bad. That's uh, channel to case thermal resistance, but no, but that's that. Yeah, that's your channel to case, but your channel to ambient is 156 Celsius per watt. So that yeah, but get I mean, you're going towards high. um, that that 0.71 is dissipating into your copper. So. Yeah, and then you got to get rid of it from there. Yeah. I'm looking at that 210 watt number and I'm like, the best thing about that number is there's nothing else about it. Like all these well, other and, power and, ratings and stuff have notes. This one doesn't have a note. Like what, are, where are they getting that 210 watts from? Is that like the theoretical max? If you use like the, the, uh, yeah, it's probably with the RS on and like max voltage and max current. I think that's just if that's the overall. If if you exceed this, even pulsed, I mean that's the whole thing. Yeah, it, I it's bet not you that's gonna a pulse. sustain. No, of course it's a, yeah, for sure it's a pulse, and that's just don't exceed two hundred and ten watts. You know, for I don't know what the duration is, but it's going to be really small. Just yeah, very short. Not above that. <laughs> I wonder if they have a test. Uh, how they test that? It doesn't look like it. They destroyed them. <laughs> uh this is this is the the let out the smoke number the absolute let out the smoke yeah that's a smoke number right there oh they okay. should start if we ever make a semiconductor company steven we will have because <laughs> we'll that's something that, we're gonna do that's something we would call <laughs> we'll have a smoke number like yeah, absolute like power rating no, no, you know how like uh, on the second or third page of most data sheets is absolute maximums? That's we just call them smoke numbers. Yeah. These are all your smoke numbers. We can't guarantee operation if you exceed the smoke numbers. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, the channel the channel on this FET can get up to 175 Celsius before it. That's that's the smoke number for it. That's that's pretty hot. Yeah, it's real hot. I do like the storage temperature too here, though. It's like, well, if the channel can handle 175, then you can store it at 175. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, you're, you're, the pulsed drain current, the absolute or the smoke number on that is 320 amps for 100 microseconds. So that's what that's, that's how of, they're getting that. Oh, and then they're taking. Let me see. Yeah, the, the RDS. RDS is typically 7.9. Point eight of what? What's three twenty times point eight? Uh, that's not even two ten. Interesting. Well, no, that's not. That's not going to be your power. Uh, I squared R, right? Oh, I yeah. So where are where's that two ten coming from then? That's not off that pulse then. Maybe that's off the sixty four number. Or maybe it's not off of any of these numbers, and there's something else that they are basing. It yeah, because. Off the 64 amp, that'd be insane. 
I like how they have a silicon limit too. What silicon number do we limit? use? What's the silicon limit? Uh, 108 amps. What does that even mean? Silicon Limited limit? by silicon chip capability. So then why is there a number above that? Here's a number if you can break material science. <laughs> uh, what is that? I've never heard of silicon limit. Me neither. I've never seen that in a data sheet before. I guess is that just the maximum current that would their flavor of silicon will allow for? I do like this note. I I actually haven't seen this called out um in a MOSFET is this product is not designed for radiation resistant or cosmic ray resistant and these natural environmental factors may affect reliability which yeah that's true it's just I've never seen that called out in a in a MOSFET yeah okay so so rad hardened uh chips are usually one of those things where if you know you need them you're you're looking for those specific Yeah, you're looking for that and they they're classified that way. And 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 rad hardened ICs their data sheets are like every other word is like this is radiation hardened, you know, like it, it, they call it out. I, I I also have not seen a data sheet where they don't or where they where they say this isn't ready for or capable yeah. for those yeah, kind of, of environments. Kind of weird. Hmm. It's a weird data sheet for a MOSFET. Well, this is the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We will read data sheets to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do want to apologize to DigiKey then at this point because I didn't see it was from a different place, Fierce Electronics. Yeah, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus or anything. No, no. I just thought that was like the first thing that ha that happened to me this morning was that, and I clicked on the thing that was out of stock. <laughs> Um, next topic uh, air filter from last week built it it's working great I'll post some pictures of it being of it fully assembled and uh, inside the jeep and so far and that, that was rev 3 right generation 3 yes the, the uh, gen 2's lasted for 5 years and actually still works I, I was about to say gen 1 lasted wow how long about it, a month before i noticed that it was melting <laughs> <laughs> okay so a month and then five years and you know given that kind of a curve yeah this next one uh it should last the rest of your life should um and the reason why and the one i'm using now isn't bad like it still works it's just i can't get a filter for it anymore the size right. of filter i spec for it i just can't buy anymore mm. so that's the only problem very cool. Yeah, so it's working great. Um, it's like the first time I put something on my Jeep that made it probably faster, even though, you know, it's, it's a tiny amount. It actually weighs less of whatever I replaced it with. <laughs> Is that something that you can actually tell? Oh, no, 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 no. It's like, I was about like, to say. It's like part of the difference between eating a big lunch and then, like, being a little hungry. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's true. If you go get like a giant burrito, then you weigh the more than the difference. Yeah. 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 Actually, it probably weighs more difference than that because I think I should weigh it actually because the old one was steel and it is not light and the new one is 
carbon fiber and polycarbonate. I got it's got speed parts on my Jeep now. <laughs> the Jeep will never stop transforming. Do, do, do you ever feel that you will be done with your Jeep? Um, it is. I call them. Uh, uh, what do we call like the brewery seasons? The, yeah, it's already it's it, the the current season is closed on the red Jeep now. I'm, yeah. I'm actually I put this way. This is the first time since basically ever, ever since buying it, I guess, uh, 20 years ago at this point. Yeah, I bought. By the way, I bought that Jeep when I was 15 years old. Um, I actually just pulled out some pictures of like me in my my Boy Scout uniform driving the Jeep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, I got it when I was like, like about to turn 16. I was like 15 in that summer and uh, got the Jeep. So um, in 20 years, ever since like started modifying and stuff, this is the first time I've been like, I'm really happy how, how it is. Like into the past, I've it was all my only car. And so, like, I had to make a lot of compromises on one the build because, like, I would, when you were at Macrofab, Stephen, I would go mm. home on the weekend and take the Jeep apart, and not mm. have a vehicle the whole weekend, and then Monday morning put it back together enough to drive it to work. Like sometimes I just would have only one seat in the Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> so. Or like half a dash, or I would be like, I has enough to drive. I'm going to go to work now. Um, yeah. But now since I have you know the Jeep Wagoneer, I I could just have it parked in my garage while I worked on it. So I'm actually was able to finish stuff correctly and build stuff correctly. And yeah, I'm really happy with it. So th this season awesome. is now closed for it. I hope to not have to open it for a long time and just have to do just general maintenance because I'm happy with it now. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know it's going to change. There's always going to be like, oh, in the future, I might need to like change just one thing because it's not working out. But yeah, as sure. is now, I'm really happy with it. You know, <clears throat> speaking of brewery seasons and things, uh, my wife the other day, her, her birthday is in November, and she was like, hey, I'm going to have some people over for for." Uh, birthday, will you brew a beer for my birthday? I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I, I started thinking about it. I think, and I, crossing my fingers here, I kind of think I'm done with my brewery in terms of there's not a lot more I want to do to it. I don't even think there, I can't even think of anything right now that I want to really do to it. Yeah, Tim, like, you, you're in a good state. It, I mean, uh, Right now, I have the capability to brew anything I want to brew. Even the stuff I've never brewed before, I now have all the pieces of the puzzle in a way. And I was, for a while there, I would brew up, you know, one or two batches and I'd be like, oh, I need a new fitting. Or I'd brew one or two batches and I'm like, oh, well, this little extra thing would, would help out. And the next time I would, I would buy that tool or whatever. And now I'm at the point where it's just like, it's just recipe formulation. Go buy the consumables and make. Yeah, that's it's, it's taken a long time to get. It does there. take a long time because like you're building like everything from scratch. A brewery. Yeah, but <laughs> no, like thing. you're building yeah. a whole process and stuff from scratch. 
Yeah. Um, no, it's the same. I'm I'm that way finally with my red Jeep. Like I'm like I'm super happy how it's turned out. Uh, yep. It doesn't fall apart. Um, I've put like ever since I, f- I mean I, I just fixed the air filter, but honestly that was a maintenance problem, right? Like I couldn't get a new filter, so I had to do this. Um, yeah. Ever since I finished it, uh, you know I put I put five thousand miles on it so far. Like nothing's falling apart. Um, you know, earlier this spring, I went camping in it. Um, I can't wait till it gets cooler here in Texas again. It's almost there, actually. Like, um, it's been like in the eighties. Like, oh, all, that's nice. It, so it's like, yeah, like during the days, like it's it's actually starting to get nice-ish <laughs> outside in Houston now. So it's like it, it's, it, it's up here. It, it's it's like someone flipped a switch. Uh, the it, it's still kind of warm it's like 80s but last weekend was 51 Ooh, yeah. uh, on saturday and and when i get up in the morning to let my dog out to use the restroom like I open the door and it's like crisp and chilly oh, yeah and and it, i swear it happened in like two days. two days it's not it wasn't graceful just like someone flipped a switch and oh, i love it yeah so I, and college football's on like oh it's great yeah so um november i'll probably start go camping again and yep. it and uh, yeah, I can't wait. Um, we're looking forward nice. to it. It's one of those like finally being able to enjoy the thing you've been working on for 20 years. <laughs> no, I've, I've enjoyed my Jeep the entire time. So sure. I mean, sure. for the first, I didn't really start working on it until like after college. So I just didn't have, you know, when you don't have a job, it's really hard to like build stuff. <laughs> you know, OK, I, I find that to be something it, it, it's this has been tough in my life. There's been long periods of of time where things I've worked on or things that I've I've done or my 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 workshop or my basement or whatever where I have this this concept in my mind of what done is like but it's just so daunting and so far away that it's like it'll ne- that j- it just will never happen even though like I could I could explain the entire thing I could draw a picture of yeah. what it would be like to be done but it'll just sort of never be there it I feel like there's portions of things in my life that are happening now where I'm like maybe it's just me getting older but I feel like things are getting done whereas they never ever got done before even though like yeah I'd finish a thing sure I'm using air quotes here but now I'm feeling more like at peace with calling something done yeah I think partially getting older, partially just actually finishing projects and feeling that getting that feeling of how a project feels like to get finished. That makes that, that's well, a weird it, thing to th- talk about though, but that's, that yeah, is a well, thing. But, but also, but also like, I feel like my skill set and my tools are finally matching up or catching up to what is in my head as acceptable to be called done. Oh, okay. so you're talking about like your your quality of your the quality of your project is now matching what your head canon is. Uh, yeah, it's not that it ha- that hasn't happened before. It's just it seems to be happening more now. Yeah, like I'm at that point where I'm like pleased with the thing I made, oh, as opposed to like always looking at it, and be like there could be more. It's all experience. It's experience sure, and just sure. gain the skills and the tool set. Yeah, I, I feel the well, same way. And, and the tools. Yeah, and the tools. I feel the same way. Like, yeah. I'm looking at... So, you know, the red Jeep's done. And uh, um, 
yesterday uh, afternoon, push, I pushed the next project into the garage. And you talk about Ooh. like looking at something and being like, holy crap, that looks far away now. <laughs> is, that, is that the checker? The checker is in the garage. Uh-oh. Um, and uh, yeah, I was looking at it last night and I'm like, had I had a beer and I was just, it's one of those like when you sit down and look at something for a long time and you're just sitting there just thinking with a beer. Mm, those are like, good days. Yeah, it's a, it, that was a very good about like 30 minutes of just thinking. And uh, that's really relaxing. <laughs> like I, when I first pushed it into the garage, because it's been under, because I bought it like three years ago at this point, like 2019 end of summer i think it's when i bought it and it's been sitting in my uh driveway with a car cover on it since then um because i was going to go ahead and work on it right away and then covid hit and then i decided to i take that opportunity to just finish the red jeep just be like let's get the red jeep all the way done like mm. button it all the way up and then now i'm like okay check our time and uh but when i pushed into the garage i had like a minor panic attack like <laughs> oh shit i'm doing this all over and i i love working on cars and stuff but just yeah. like one of those like oh crap this is gonna be like this is what you're saying like this huge project that like i can explain everything i need to do to finish this project but my brain's like it that's so far off my brain can't even comprehend it being done um, yep. And uh, actually, at the beginning of this year, the um, one of my New Year's resolutions was it to be running and driving. That doesn't mean done. It means running and driving. So the moment that, for me, that means there's a Texas registration sticker in the corner of the windshield. So that is the first step is to get that like that's a good milestone i think for the checker like it has not been on the road since like the early 80s so if i can mm. get it on the road by then by the end of this year i think i can at least the paperwork submitted <laughs> and so i'm waiting for the registration sticker to show up <laughs> nice but uh yeah it's one of those uh the, the the light at the tunnel is really 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 far away but it's there it's bright it's bright yep. But yeah, I it's, it's um, bright before one. Yeah, the uh, have most of the tools I need. Um, because I've already rebuilt two jeeps at this point, so I'm like, okay, what else? Um, the thing is, this is going to be the oldest car I've worked on, so um, I've been looking at like how do I build a um a, a sand. I'm either going to do a sandblasting cabinet. Or I'm gonna do a vapor honing cabinet. I don't know yet. Hmm. Or just buy one. I don't know if I want a project to build one of those. <laughs> it's like it's like that thing that you need to build to make the thing that you need to build in order to create the tool to finish the project. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm like, do I? I think I'm gonna go. Uh, for for those that know, sandblasting is like using compressed air to move an aggregate, like sand. Um, don't use sand though, because it's like it, it'll, it'll clog up your lungs. But anyways, uh, 
to move material to remove contaminants from a metal surface, basically. Vapor honing is the same thing-ish, except it uses water to move the material. Uh, and so it's softer on the materials. Um, and it's softer on the media because it has water as a cushioning. Um, vapor honing is like the, I say new thing, but it's like where everyone's, everyone's getting rid of their sandblasting cabinets and are going to a vapor honed cabinets. So, um, I don't know if I'm going to just try to make one of those or just be like, okay, here's like, here's a big check. <laughs> and it just shows up on my doorstep. Cause it, it would be money, nice. Not, money does make things happen. Yeah. But it's money. I'd rather spend that money on parts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, a, it's like buying a welder, you know, but once you have it, it's like, okay, you, you cry once kind of thing. So mm -hmm. that's like the so next. I, I had a, I had my own beer in hand, look at thing oh, uh, yeah? situation or event the other day. Uh, I, I finally decided, well, I, I've had a need for my CNC at home to be functional. Uh, I, I, I worked on it about two years ago. I did a few things on it and then it ended up becoming a table. Uh, yeah, because you, you I, I didn't whole, need it anymore. Like you made a whole like water cooling setup for the spindle and it was just a, yeah. a pump in a bucket. Yeah. It's still yep. a pump it, in a bucket. And it's, it's, it still works. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a pump in a bucket and I have a, I have a radiator system. Oh, you have a radio to, system to cool. now. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, Cause, uh, okay. So if I'm doing shortcuts that are, you know, 10 minutes long, 20 minutes long. It does. That doesn't matter. The thermal mass of five gallons of water is enough. Like yeah. the spindle's not going to heat that up, but I've had some runs that are two, three hours long and that will warm up the water. So I added a radiator system a while ago and that, that works out. But, uh, but yeah, I, I wiped off all the, I cleaned off the table, got everything back up and, uh, and I'm, I'm recalibrating it right now. And that's one of those situations that's, that's just fun to, crack a beer and watch your machine go. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my kind of situation with that. I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to get that up back up and running because I've got a few things to, uh, I've been paying someone to do my wood CNC and I'm like, you know what? I have a CNC at home. All I have to do is fix it up a little bit. Yeah. I don't even have to spend any money. I, I just have to fix it. Yeah, you just gotta you fix know? It. So yeah, uh, that's, that's, and, and it's fun too, because I get to, drink homebrew while looking at it and i don't have to worry about the homebrew because that whole system's done that whole, that system's, whole that, thing that's that season that's is done. done that season yeah, yeah. I, I don't know maybe the whole series is done with that like that'd be awesome who knows that would be i you got, you like, got, i was got, thinking about it the other day your rig got i don't canceled really have much more to buy like I, I don't like anything for my beer brewing system would just be for like quantity now yeah. and Scale i don't even up. brew that often that uh, i don't need like 50 kegs or anything like that i i have enough kegs i have enough fermenters i have a beer fridge i like i have everything i need for it so it's it kind of feels done yeah i don't know what we'll see maybe in like three months we'll be like oh, i'm kicking off a new project to totally revamp the whole system <laughs> that's always how it happens too Actually, I would love to get to a maintenance point with both my CNC and my, my beer brewing where it's like the, the only time I touch it in terms of like a engineering standpoint is when it breaks. Yeah. I'm hoping I'm, that's where I'm at with the red Jeep. 
Um, the wagon is a bit farther from that because it's wagon still in process, but all right. I still drive it every day. So, um, so yeah, you're going to talk about more that you see and see when you get closer to that project being done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, or is there not much to, so, so, you're not really, <coughs> fi- you're just fixing it and that's kind of, so what is wrong with it then? Well, okay, so so it has it, it, it has flex okay. and it has backlash and it's not ninety. Those are the three oh, things so that I'm there's fixing. nothing mechanic well, that's mechanical. There's nothing electrically bad with it then. No, in fact it, okay, so it sat for a year and a half. I haven't I haven't touched it. And uh I, I literally just flipped all the switches and turned it on and moved it. It's fine. It like everything was absolutely fine. Uh, I, I didn't even have to tighten anything down. Like nothing was off about it. Just I'm just recalibrating it to get it as, as good as I possibly can. Cause, cause I realized, okay, so I've been paying someone else to do my, the, my CNC work on wood. And um, I realized if I just, even if my tolerances are not fantastic on my machine, which they're not, but even that I can accept the tolerance range that my machine gives me for the work that I'm doing. So I can save a ton of money by just doing it myself. Like mm-hmm. I'll a really good amount of money. So, uh, and, and, and labor rates on, on what I've been paying have gone through the roof. So I'm at the point now where it's just like, you know, I, I should do it myself because I could just save that much. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if my tolerances are plus minus like 15 thousands, I can deal with that. It's wood. Wood swells 15,000. Yeah, I was about to say 15,000 is nothing for for some plywood. Yeah, and I'm hitting that on the machine right now. So um, a little bit of uh, backlash correction, and really the main issue is my machine's not 90, so I need to kind of bend my gantry a little bit. Uh, it's not really bending it. It's just, I need to correct, like one side is, is, I guess, advanced a little bit more than the other side. So I just need to, I just need to correct the, yeah, crab walk a little bit. So I need to, I need to adjust the one side back. The only thing that sucks is my, my current way of, of doing that is I make an adjustment. I have to cut a square, check it, make another adjustment, cut a square, check it. And it, and it kind of makes sense to, to cut the largest squares I can to get the the longest diagonals and mm-hmm. things so that's that's all I'm working on right now I uh, with it I think I, I it's it, it's pretty close to being done or pretty close for game day let's just put mm-hmm. that and plywood has gone through the freaking roof in terms of cost and uh, Baltic birch which is what I've been using you know because of uh, because of everything that's happening overseas it it's that's just dried up the 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 source is is it's not supplying anymore so uh i'm having to find alternatives to it and i don't want to buy just garbage plywood from uh, the big box stores so i'm trying to see what i can do to get around that because who knows when you know quality plywood's gonna come back in uh in stock yeah i actually noticed that um i went to go buy a sheet of mdo which is um, really nice plywood. It has like a, the glue is waterproof, but they also, it's also like super sanded smooth. And then they apply a paper on it as well. Yeah. MDO is uh, like road signs and stuff. Yes. Uh, 
yeah. and uh, it's it's good in marine environments yeah. as well. And so I used to have I used to would just pick up a sheet every like couple years or so and use it for projects. Like I built mm-hmm. like I had this like shelf system in the back of my Jeep that I built a lot of MDO and stuff. And um, and I finally ran out of it uh, about a couple months ago, and I went to go buy my my dad's like, hey, I need to borrow a piece of MDO because like half his house is like MDO now. Feels like. He always keeps borrowing like little <laughs> patches of it, and yeah. uh, <laughs> um, it makes it's good for jig uh, for like jig plates. And oh yeah, like it's it's awesome stuff. Um, so I, I went to go to uh, my uh, the place I would normally go buy it from. I think it was Houston Hardwoods, um, and they were out of stock. And the guy's like, "We don't carry it anymore." And I'm like, "Do you know anyone that does?" And he's like, "No," and I'm like. I'm like okay, so I called up a couple of them. No one carries it anymore. Yeah. So I wonder if it's the same situation where like they just the factories that make plywood aren't making it right now because they're making other stuff that's in more demand. Yeah. Probably what it is. I've I've been doing some research and I've heard some positive things about eucalyptus and uh, bamboo plywood actually. Hmm. So apparently bamboo plywood is uh, being praised for its um, sustainability. It's a uh, bamboo grows so rapidly that it's a, uh, it's, it's a good source for plywood. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious if the war in Europe is going to accelerate alternative materials. It could be. Um, I like, I, honestly, I don't care if it's made out of a tree or bamboo or, or chewing gum. I just want a piece of plywood that's really, you know, really durable, waterproof, and has the paper backing on it, or paper top and bottom on it, outers. Like, if it's made out of bamboo, sure, I don't care. Some, sometimes I even wonder why MDF is even sold in Houston, Texas, because yeah. like you take it outside the store and it just puffs up. Poof. Yeah, it just starts <laughs> absorbing moisture. Yeah, Apparently they make waterproof MDF. Uh, where the, the glue doesn't soak everything up? Yes. Because that's actually what the the person at Houston Hardwood tried to sell me. And I'm like, I no, I don't, I don't want that at all. Because like I picked it up and it's it wasn't as rigid as I wanted. Like the great thing about oh. MDO is it's super rigid too. Because like how they do the cross planing of all the mm-hmm. grains. So it's super rigid. Yeah of a piece of, of a, a plywood and that stuff is just flexed right away. I'm like, Nope, this is not what I want. You, you know, one of the nice things about machining MDF is because of the nature of how it is. Oh, it's, 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 it's hard on your tools because it's uh, it's like sandpaper basically. But the nice thing is every direction you cut, there is no grain. So yeah. every axis, X, Y, and Z experiences the same forces, cut, loading forces. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, next topic. <laughs> we somehow went from Jeep air canisters to plywood supply chain. Plywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, one other one other note about the CNC. Um, uh, wh- 
I finally, not finally, I have something I'm going to 3D print for it. I'm like super excited. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, oh, cool. like, like I have a useful thing. Uh, so I, I, I use compressed air on my, uh, on my CNC to, to blow chips out of my, mm -hmm. um, off the cut. Well, so I have a little flex hose that, that connects to my compressor. And the way I've connected it to my spindle, I have one of those 80 millimeter spindles that you get off of Amazon. So uh, I've been using hose clamps for that. Well, I'm going to print little uh, little uh, rings that, that connect to it and just hold that, that in, the right a, spot. Uh, in the right spot and just make it like nicer. So it's not just like giant three inch hose clamps. Because they look they look crappy, right? They yeah. they don't yeah. look particularly good. And I was like, ah, cool! Like I finally came up with something that's like, okay, put the 3D printer to use. And it's funny too because the first thing I come up with, I'm like, oh, I don't even know if the envelope on my 3D printer is big enough. Like 80, I think it's got a, it's like a hundred and twenty millimeter uh, round disc, base. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a round disc. So so eight, an eighty millimeter ring. You know that's the that's yeah. the ID, so uh, yeah, it's I'm gonna take up basically the whole print bed, but uh, yeah, that's exciting. Something well, I look forward to see the temps of of your 3D printer. This is like really the first thing you're going to be designing and 3D printing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Let me. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. I mean, other than like calibration cubes, <laughs> which those well, don't count. You, you just download that's a cube. STL. <laughs> yeah. Or did you design your own calibration cube? Oh, I, I designed my own, man. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I don't know if you could get a pat on the back for making a cube. <laughs> I no, no. Well, okay. So so let me talk about the other project that is going to uh, require three D printing. Uh, I just wanted to give an update on my differential probe that I'm designing. Uh, my goal is to have that in my hands by the end of the year. I think that's a reasonable goal given how rapidly things happen on the or how not rapidly projects happen on the map so with the differential probe i'm planning on making it or designing it to fit within the envelope of my 3d printer and uh, the the goal is to kind of try to reduce part count because i'm realizing i just i don't i want a differential probe but i don't want a high speed differential probe i don't really need a high speed it doesn't need to go out to gigahertz or anything like that i don't do anything of that sort so i'm going to reduce my part count and just make it dc accurate and close to dc accurate and i think that's more than acceptable for everything that i'm trying to do and and in in playing around with the design i remember or recalled a uh, a previous project i worked on the on the the podcast which was my bias test system i'm holding that up for all the people in chat here the the front end of the bias test system used a whole bunch of these voltage divider um precision ones ceramic resistors yeah. the precision resistors they're the caddock uh 1776 c681 resistive dividers and i'm realizing you know those will work fine for the input on on this thing so i think i'm going to design around those instead of like the classic resistor ladder designs that i've i've found i'm just going to make my own using one of these and use a one to 100 or maybe even a one to 10 maybe even selectable i'm not even sure yet but probably one to 100 uh resistive divider string and and the nice thing about that is those resistors have really good tolerance probably better than i could get if i was just going to pick off the shelf resistors 
they have good thermal performance, they're already high voltage, and they're temperature matched in a, because they're all on the same substrate. So I, I, I think that's sort of make the whole front end easy. Just use those mm-hmm. with, uh, with some um, balancing uh, trimmers and things to be able to uh, you know, control the, the, the offsets and the gains and things like that. So just, I, I've been overthinking it. Just make it simple. Uh, keep it simple, stupid, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, use two of those dividers. The only thing that sucks is those things are big, so I'm going to have to get a little bit fancy. I think I'm going to lay them down and bend the legs and uh, just try to make them fit in a smaller area because I'm using the 3D printer bed as my maximum envelope that this thing can be. Uh, basically, I want to design the test probe to to look like a pick kit three, like oh, okay. that kind of yeah, envelope. shape. Yeah, that, that that shape. So, you know, thin profile, something you can just hold in your hand really easily with probes that come out the tip kind of thing. So <clears throat> the challenge is to get everything to fit in something that is comfortable to use with your hand. And, uh, yeah, I'll be designing a 3D printed case for that. So th- the next steps on that is to get the uh, get the op amps chosen that... I've I've looked through a handful of them. My situation, my use case is so simple that this is actually hard to pick an op amp because I don't want to just arbitrarily spend a bunch of money on something I don't need the performance, and I don't want to use garbage op amps at the same time. So it, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to just be like, yeah, like okay, how well, my options. I have so many options. Yeah, how good of an op amp do you need? Is basically what problem you're running into. Right, right. You can't and use a garbage one, but you don't want to spend a lot of money. Exactly, exactly. I don't do. I, I'm arbitrarily spending money on the good resistors on the front. I don't want to arbitrarily spend money on the op amp. Yeah, yeah. So, that's that's next steps with that. Okay. Well, hopefully everyone checks out next week when we have an update to that. Right. We'll have an update to that, and the uh, the situation I've been having with the bricked microcontrollers. Just an update on that, real quick. I do have a a uh, support case open with microchip. Hopefully, we'll have an update with that. I haven't heard back from them yet, but but hopefully next week we'll be able to dig a little bit deeper into that because that one is interesting. Yeah, I I'm, I want closure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so, with that, that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dolman. Take it easy. Thank you, yes, you are a listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Stephen and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack, and our live stream of the podcast recording, which happens on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Time at twitch.tv slash macrofab.